The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for the Firearms Friday. Oh, baby, it is Firearms Friday right here. On the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the internet. Hi, how are you? Have you been waiting for Friday like I have? Just say yes. Just, Just admit it and say yes. You've been waiting for Friday. This is the day. Where we get a chance, it's like my weekly therapy session where I get to, I got just picture me with my feet up on the couch, hanging out, answering all these questions, uh, talking about all these things, doing all the stuff. It is uh, the one day a week where we get a chance to sit down and talk about issues related to the Second Amendment and so much more. Um, I'm I'm excited about it. It's uh, it not only is it this is it a great start to the weekend. It is a chance to sit down and hang out and talk about what I think is probably one of the most important topics uh, that we could uh, discuss uh, for a legacy of freedom and uh, keeping America. Um, as free as it's been for the last 245 years. That's, that's what I'm, I'm all about. That's what we're all about here this morning on, uh, on the big firearms Friday program. Oh, baby. Uh, so today I was trying to get Dr. John Lott onto the program. He recently wrote an article for the Federalist, which I think is an excellent piece that uh, describes and discusses the idea that red flag laws are somehow going to save us all. Uh, And uh, unfortunately, could not work that out. We might get him back on uh, here in a week or so uh, to discuss this and other topics. Uh, He is a great guest and we enjoy having him on. Uh, But we'll be going over that article today and discussing it and talking about uh, the ramifications of it, the pitfalls, and and the false narratives that seem to be coming out around the idea uh, that red flag laws are uh, not only needed, but the coercive effect that the federal government and the Biden administration is having uh, on other states as well. Because now, they throw in money at the problem, right? That's the thing now. Now it's the now it's the carrot and the stick thing. Only it's just the carrot at this point. Uh, we'll uh, we'll discuss that here uh, on the program this morning and give you some details of it as well. We're going to cover a lot of the headlines that are going on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, around the country 
uh, from all the way out on the East Coast in Atlanta. Uh, some of the challenges that they may be facing there uh, out to uh, North Dakota and Oregon and across the country. We're going to talk about all the different uh, we're going to talk about all the different stories related to guns and firearms uh, and so on and so forth. Also, importantly, this morning, we are opening up the phone lines to talk with you, uh, which, again, is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, and I really enjoy it. Uh, the whole purpose of Firearms Friday is to attempt to demystify the firearm, uh, to to talk about it, to educate people. Uh, that's why, uh, as we open up the phone lines this morning for what I like to call gun Q&A, questions and answers, is that there is no such thing as a dumb gun question. Uh, they're just, it doesn't matter if we've answered it a million times before. It doesn't matter if you think that maybe you're embarrassed by your lack of knowledge on firearms. That doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. That, uh, we, we are here specifically to, uh, to talk about those things. We are here specifically to educate and to try and, uh, again, Open up your eyes and demystify because, <clears throat> let's face it, a lot of the problems that we're facing um, in the country today when it comes to firearms and things like that is that we're facing a crisis of misinformation. Uh, that misinformation coming from the news media, the entertainment industry, the talking heads, the politicians, um, they they like it that way. They like to be able to... Um, you know, kind of uh, deceive and inveigle, uh, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not intentionally, sometimes just through ignorance, uh, the public on what it means uh, to be able to defend yourself. What does going forth armed mean? What are the real motivations? What are the real statistics? These are all things that we have to fight back against. And so that's the purpose of Firearms Friday, to try and give you the straight information, try and give you, um, you know, without all the buzzwords or the angst and the anxiety that many uh, organizations and outlets and powers that be seem to want to stir up around firearms and um, and and the use and the and the the right to keep and bear arms. So we're going to talk about that this morning as well. And you could see this, <clears throat> look, you could see this kind of uh, uh, disinformation going on every day. There's a story, I guess we could start with this story, because you could you could see um, what's happening uh, each and every uh, time there's some kind of uh, report, for example, on the mass shooting. Right, the, the term mass shooting. Um, and Tom Knightington over at Bearing Arms has got a good piece on this talking about mass shootings and the report uh, from this last weekend um, where he talks, you know, that the, the mass shootings, you know, talking about the idea of it, it terrifies people. And it does. It absolutely terrifies people. Uh, you know, you see in the aftermath of something, you know, large like the Las Vegas shooting or even something small or smaller scale like the Michigan state shooting, 
people get worried. The idea that somewhere, suddenly, out of nowhere, someone decides to kill everyone that they can see is something that we're obviously not, not that we should be comfortable with it, but it's obviously there. It's horrifying. And it shouldn't be going on. But then you get some of these outlets and organizations involved, and they treat it as like it's a daily event, like it happens every day. Um, and this the uh, the honest answer is it doesn't. But see, because of the conflation between the news media and organizations like the Gun Violence Archive or the Brady Campaign or the uh, Moms Demand Action Group or Every Town or whoever, who all have a friendly ear in the news media, they act like it's an occurrence that happens every single day. <clears throat> My best friend, Brendan, who a uh, former producer of the show, um, and I've told this story before, but he had a friend who lives in uh, Barcelona, Spain. And he was trying to get her to come over to watch uh, wrestling. They're both big WWE. Is it WWE or WWF? I can't remember whatever the new one. I think it's E, right? WWE. Um, they're both big wrestling fans. And he wanted to... He wanted her to come over and uh, come watch WrestleMania or something with him. Um, uh, this is a couple of years ago. And uh, she was getting ready. She was thinking about it. And her dad uh, talked her out of it because America is such a dangerous place. She could just be shot and killed and... Uh, you know, this is, you know, in the, you know, it's kind of like the new satanic panic, right? Where everything is just, we're all going to die kind of thing. Um, and he said he was just shocked, you know, when he tried to to show them the statistics and how safe it was. and there, But no, they were just convinced because of the continual flow of information from news media, who again are very friendly to many of these anti-gun outlets, that this is the narrative that they're painting, that, you know, that every day a mass shooting occurs somewhere in the United States and we're all going to die. Tom Knighton goes on to talk about the recent report uh, that was um, uh, put out there by the uh, some news outlets that were quoting the gun violence archive. Uh, they said uh, that nearly 10 mass shootings occurred across the United States over the weekend, results uh, resulting in dozens of casualties from data from a nonprofit tracking American gun violence shows. They said there were nine mass shootings in the U.S. between Friday and Sunday, according to the records of the Gun Violence Archive. The organization defines mass shootings as, as incidents where four or more people, not including the gunmen, are killed. A total of 13 people got killed in last weekend's mass shootings, which occurred in the states of Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Tennessee. And another <clears throat> uh, another 42 were left injured. Um, and if, if that's the case, that's awful. That's awful. But let's do the math. Let's do the math on this. You got nine mass shootings and 13 people killed. That's not even two per incident to begin with. And while they're all awful, 
and again, each and individual, each and every individual death is a tragedy. It's not what you think of when you think of the term mass shooting. So Tom Knighton over at uh, Bearing Arms took a look at this and dove down into this. He said, I opted to look at the number of people killed in non-mass shootings based on the way they're set up. He said, I looked for the last 72 hours, which includes the weekend, Friday through Sunday. I looked at the total number of firearms-related homicide in the U.S. during that time and specifically excluded anything that met the gun violence archives definition of a mass shooting. Why? Because I want people to understand that while the term mass shooting is thrown around to scare people, it's not the issue they think it is. You see, during that 72-hour period, there were 106 people killed in non-mass shootings. Compared that to the 13 that were killed in the shootings, and you start to get a glimpse of reality. So why do they start, why do they use that term? Because it's scary. I mean, mass shootings, the, the whole idea of it are is scary. You could look at the 106 other homicides and recognize that many of those are related to criminal activity or their isolated event, but the term mass shooting just hits us right in the gut. As such, it's useful, if your goal is to push society towards embracing gun control, to use that over and over and over. After all, there were nine mass shootings this weekend. We have to do something now. The focus is more likely there because those other 106 deaths aren't as impactful as the terrifying buzzwords, mass shooting. And so those lives really don't matter all that much. That's what they're saying. That I mean, that's what it's all about. This is all about manipulation and groupthink. That's what it's about. What is the definition of a mass shooting? What is, how do you categorize it? How do you classify it? And why are they constantly throwing it out there? Again, it's because they want to scare you. That's the point. If your, if your goal is to push society towards embracing more gun control, it's a very, very useful term, especially if you have a friendly ear in the public media and in the entertainment industry and amongst all the talking heads and the politicians. That's a very, very useful thing. And that's why buzzwords and overestimation and a blanket using of these phrases like mass shootings have got people scared walking around all the time. You know who's not scared walking around all the time? Most concealed carry holders. Because they understand the risks, they've gotten the proper training, and they have a confidence that allows them to go through life knowing that if something like that does happen, they at least will have an opportunity to fight back. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. More coming up right after this.
running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Um, how, how are you guys? How's it going this morning? <laughs> I have made the official decision that I'm working from home today because, oof, man. Oh, crazy down here. A little rain, a little snow, a little rain and snow, a little ice. And uh, I think I'll just drink my coffee right here and work from home today. That sounds like a good idea. What do you think? What are you think? Um, all right. I see my dad's in the chat room. Hi, Dad. You know, I'm a bad son. I talk to him more here in the chat room than I do in person. I should I should call him later today. I just sorry, Dad. It's, it's only time I think about it is like, you know, if I'm laying in bed at like 9 30, 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, I got to go to sleep. And I, but, and dad's probably asleep already as well. Um, all right. Good trip. Bill back. Bill is back in the state. Welcome back, Bill. Good morning, Greg. Um, uh, anyone been outside yet? Should be a skating rink. It was a skating rink yesterday. I took the trash out yesterday, and it was like, woo, almost slipped right off the porch with the rain coming down. Um, all right, good, be good, 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 good. Snow just came off the roof. Got three inches of snow yesterday. Uh, Rick says, I don't think it was icy here yet. Well, it was icy at my place. Like I said, yesterday afternoon, lots of rain. Uh, the definition of mass shootings matters. Matters. There's a lot of mass shootings if you craft the definition to include criminal on criminal violence. That's true. Yeah, that is 100% true. Um, uh, paging Rep Eastman to the white paging phone. Um, how many times, uh, how many of those are gang related or drug trade related, says Timothy. I mean, that's the thing. You start looking at the violence and you realize that when you start categorizing in the fact that a lot of this is criminal on criminal violence, that, I mean, that that makes a huge difference. Because, again, they're criminals. They break the law by definition. Um, all right. Call your dad, says Terry. I will call my dad. I will call my dad. Uh, Robert said, saw three rollers driving to the Valley yesterday at noon. Yeah, there was nasty. I mean, I, they had a picture yesterday afternoon. I actually worked from home yesterday. I was going to drive in and right after the show, I decided to check the Facebook group for the Glen highway to see what it was like. Cause I knew there was supposed to be a rain and snow warning and, uh, people were like, well, it's not bad. There's a couple accidents, but it's not bad. And then somebody made the comment of, oh, this is going to be a real treat coming home. And I said, you know what? I don't want to spend two hours coming home because that's what happens a lot of times. Uh, it, it takes me two hours to get home instead of an hour because, you know, so I'm like, I'm just going to work from home. I don't have anything I need to do in town today. And I'm glad I did because later that afternoon, there was a video of a state, a state DOT sand truck a big dump truck you know that the, with the blade and the sander and it was going and it literally you could see it it was stopped and it was sliding off the, it was on a it was on a an on-ramp or uh, off-ramp and it was trying to sand it and it got part way up and you could just see it just started sliding and into the snowbank it was just like nope nope 
I'm glad that's, uh, you know, <sighs> yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Uh, anyway, let's, um, donuts. I want donuts. Let's uh, continue here and, uh, get things ready to go. Uh, phone lines are open. I guess I should announce that number when we get back and, uh, then we'll talk more about uh, whatever we want to talk about. Whatever we want to talk about. There's a lot of stories in here. A lot of stories. Uh, oh, geez, I drove to Anchorage to Anchor Point yesterday after nine hours of flying. It's winter. It's in Alaska. Deal with it. Well, no, I mean, I'm sure I could have dealt with it. I'm sure it would have been fine. I just didn't feel like taking up three hours of my day. Driving back and forth when I can accomplish the same thing or more right here in the studio. That was my whole point. All right, we got to go. Jumping back into it, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio, like a chair, like a chair. Here we go. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? <laughs> okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. That's right. I think we just need to work on the protection guns. And, uh, you know, take all those murder guns out of the equation. That's, you know, I guarantee you that I'm 100% murder gun free around my household. It's all protection guns. That's all we have around here. Um, all right. Uh, we're continuing ahead here uh, on Firearms Friday. And as I said earlier, uh, we're it's open, open line. Gun Q&A all day. So let's pull down the phone number here uh, and we'll get started with uh, your calls and uh, your thoughts on this. If you want to talk, I mean, the definition of mass shooting, if you want to talk about that, um, uh, you know, and and the news media and what they've got going on with it, I'm totally down with that. Number to call right now is 907-433-3150-907-433-3150. And of course, this hour of the program is being powered by your friends over there at Satellite West, satellitewest.com, from Eek to Eklutna, <laughs> from from Menchumana to Metlakatla, from Minto to uh, uh, the Matsu, uh, wherever you are in the state of Alaska, um, it's uh, it, it's it's a great place to go to see Satellite West to make sure that you stay in connection. Uh, no matter where you go, whether that's a phone call, an email, a text message, or maybe you just want to surf the internet somewhere, you know, out at Adak Island or something, you know, or or Amelia Island, way out on the end of the chain, or Ketchikan, or Kodiak, or wherever you are, Satellite West has got you covered with all the stuff, all the stuff. Nine oh, just give them, just check them out on the web. Nine uh, 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 satellitewest.com. That's where you go. Thank you so much, Satellite West, to uh, for sponsoring the show. Nine oh seven four three three thirty one fifty. I'm trying to give the phone number. Uh, is the number to call if you'd like to sound off again this morning, and um, uh, and and come in. That's that's where it's at. 
This is, you know, what I, what we were just talking about is part of the problem, uh, right? Is this uh, idea that, you know, manipulating people through the use of words and talking about mass shootings and everything else. Um, and, of course, the latest MacGuffin in this whole uh, discussion and talking point is the one about red flag laws. Right. Red flag laws. That's uh, that seems to be the new golden standard that everybody is pushing for, that somehow that's going to fix it. Dr. John Lott has got a good piece up uh, on the Federalist right now, which I will post up in the chat room here. We're going to get into that article here in just a minute and talk about some of the realities of uh, red flag laws. And we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that here uh, in a minute. The other thing that we've talked about quite extensively on the program, both by ourselves and, in fact, with Dr. John Lott, who has done a, a whole bunch of research on this, is the idea of gun-free zones. Now, with the passage of the Broome decision, um, these gun-free zones, which many of the anti-gun crowd have used, um, as a way to circumvent and prevent you from being able to exercise your rights um, have been um, basically the, those things have been thrown out. Uh, and uh, so we're starting to see a chiseling away at some of the gun free zones. Uh, but we also understand that they are still that's that's the biggest thing, right? That's the lure to somebody who's decided that they want to go make a big splash and they want to, uh, you know, they, they're they going to hurt people because they want their moment of fame or infamy or whatever it is that they're looking for, um, that they more often than not choose a gun-free zone because it gives them the opportunity to do so un unscathed, right, un unencumbered. And so many states have been looking at um, a reducing of gun-free zones. And you would think that the Western states would be more inclined to to do that, being that, generally speaking, many of the Western, especially Western rural states, are kind of of a more conservative and independent nature. Uh, but that may not be the case. North Dakota Republicans have decided to take a pass on expanding where lawful gun owners can carry. And they're offering up an absolutely ridiculous reason for doing so. Uh, while many red states have seen fit to put bills in that would remove some of the existing sensitive places defined in statute. And most famously right now is West Virginia, where lawmakers are on the verge or just did approve a campus carry law. Uh, North Dakota Republicans have decided to take it pass on expanding where lawful gun owners can carry. There were six bills introduced this session that would have expanded concealed carry in North Dakota, but none of them passed the House on Monday afternoon. Rather, they were all rolled into one and passed as a study. This is by Republicans in North Dakota. Apparently, North Dakota has Republicans like Alaska has Republicans, right? I mean, they're just, mm, yeah. The bills that didn't pass in their original form would have allowed concealed carry at public gatherings, including in public schools, on college campuses, in bars, and at the state capitol. 
The goal of the new study is to determine where concealed carry can be expanded with the goal of introducing legislation in 2025. So this is like a two-year study. I mean, that's also like Alaska. I mean, we are the king of, we have the study industry here in the state of Alaska, right? Um, the, uh, the, quote from the, uh, the quote from the bill says, this is the Supreme Court ruling that came down in 2022. We have to look at historical data nationwide to identify where we can carry concealed, where we cannot carry concealed, and it has to be identified in historical data, said Representative Pat Heinert, a, a Republican from Bismarck. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. We'll continue on this discussion here in a minute. I got a couple calls on hold. I want to get to them. Oh, I only have one call on hold because they didn't wait. I just had to finish my thought. Why are you? Man. All right. Anyway, I got one call on hold. So let's go over there and see what uh, see what they have to say, and we will uh, we'll get things started. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, Mike. It's Charles. Uh, Senator or uh, representative from New York, the new guy, uh, suggested the AR-15 is a national gun, a national rifle, just recently. But, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of dumb. My question would be, is the AR-15 a high-powered rifle? Uh, thanks. Um, okay, thanks, uh, Charles. Uh, is the AR-15 a high-powered rifle? Um, no, it's a medium-powered rifle. It's a smaller cartridge. The 223 is a smaller car. Your dad's 30 6 rifle is more powerful as far as uh, muzzle velocity, uh, size of the car, size of the projectile, everything else. A high-powered rifle would be anything I would say probably 30 caliber and above, in my opinion. Uh, the AR-15 is not a. I mean, I guess, I guess it defines uh, what. I guess what is the definition? I guess here's the here's the better question. What is the definition uh, of high high powered rifle? Uh, let me see. Let me see what that says. Um, what classifies a rifle as high powered? Um, uh, let's see. It's mainly based on velocity. Um, uh, what's the difference between high powered and low? Is going to use more low power. Is going to have nine millimeter or lower. There are mid power and range cartridges such as seven six two by thirty nine and five 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 six by forty five. Um, it, so it seems it's one of those things where it's it's kind of in the middle. Um, uh, term is common used, but, um, I'm sorry. I'm just looking through what, you know, high power definition to me, um, is if it was me, it would be anything that is, uh, 30 caliber or above, I would say is a high powered rifle because it has a lot more kinetic energy. Um, and, um, you know, I, I would just be thinking that 30 caliber and above. I mean, the AR-15 shoots a 22 caliber round. Now, it's not a 22 long rifle size, but it is a 22 caliber round. Um, and there's just not nearly as much oomph on it as there is, say, in a 30-06 or a 308 or even a 7.62 by 39, although that's on the verge because it's such a short cartridge. 
Um, there's really no, it doesn't appear that there's any kind of standard definition for what a high powered rifle is. Um, there's a lot of discussion about calling AR-15s a high powered rifle, but I would say that I, no, I would say no. Personally, I would say no to that because there are so many different parts and pieces. Well, if you said to me, high power rifle, I'm thinking like 375 H and H. Right. I'm thinking about 300 blackout. I'm thinking about Lapua, 338 Lapua. I'm thinking about those because because those are high powered, long distance sniper type. Those are high powered rifles, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem to be a good actual definition of what that is. Uh, but Charles, my personal opinion, an AR-15 is not a high powered rifle. It's a rifle. I would consider it to be in the medium range. 22 long rifle, light. 20, uh, you know, AR-15, medium. AK-47 right there in the medium to high. But anything over that, definitely high. AR-10, high. M-14, high. You know, those kind of things. Uh, all right, let's uh, go back over to the, uh, let's go back over to the phones. Good morning, who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, uh, this is David. In uh, Fairbanks. Morning, David. Yes, um, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to figure out this uh, new red flag, red flag law they made on the crutch on the AR-15, and uh, I'm just. I'm just wondering. You know, I had to had to put my gun in the shop, and I had to have that that that, that stock for a shoulder rest. I had to have it removed, and I guess they passed that new red flag law, and I just don't understand it. It makes my uh, it makes my pistol uh, incomplete because you know to shoulder rest it. Otherwise, when I'm looking down my sights, I'm looking at the back of that uh, that spring mag cylinder and there's a hole in the back of it i'm wondering if it's gonna take my eye out or something well uh david let me tell you first and thing first things first we got you're conflating a couple things it's not a new red flag law what it is is that it's a new ruling by the atf the bureau of alcohol tobacco and firearms uh it's a new administrative ruling that says pistol braces which is what you're talking about a pistol brace is no longer going to be legal um, unless you pay a $200 tax and register it as a short-barreled rifle because people, uh, and and this is, again, a major change in the law because for the last 10 years, those have been legal. Since 2013, uh, pistol braces have been legal. There's multiple determination letters from the ATF that they're legal. It has nothing to do with red flag laws. This is simply an administrative change. Now, it's it's come under fire, and it's being challenged in court across the country on a variety of circuit courts, uh, federal courts. But part of the problem is also what you just talked about. The argument from the ATF is that people aren't using it the way that it was intended to be. It's supposed to be an arm brace. It's supposed to go around your arm and help stabilize the pistol. But many people do what you just talked about, holding the brace up to their shoulder 
And uh, their ETF says, well, that makes it a short-barreled rifle and you have to pay an extra $200. Again, it makes no sense why you would have to pay $200 for a rifle that is four inches shorter than a standard rifle. What does it matter one way or the other? But that's the ATF's recommendation. Now, the new law, uh, the new regulation goes into effect um, on Jan- on May 31st. You have until May 31st to either register it as a short-barreled rifle or destroy it. That's your choice. Um, but there, are, like I said, there are many lawsuits going on right now. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. In fact, Alaska just got involved in it. That I think are going to put they're going to they're going to be successful in and joining that law and prevent it from being. Uh, enacted. But that's the whole point. This is, again, uh, a whittling away by the Biden administration. This is just this is very similar to what the Trump administration did in their executive decision where they made the ATF make bump stocks illegal by executive fiat, just by administrative fiat. Uh, This is the same kind of thing. Uh, They they've decided to do that. Um, So you have until May 31st or until one of these court cases succeeds, Dave, to to uh, to figure that out. Or what would be the penalty if you were caught with that on your pistol anyhow? The penalty... Would that be a misdemeanor firearms misconduct, or what would that be? No, it's a felony. Uh, it's a felony to possess a short-barreled rifle without it being registered on the NFA. It's a felony... Punishable by, I believe, up to 10 years and $250,000 for each violation, if I remember correctly. So if you have an old West, I'm sorry, if you have an old Western style pistol like they used to use that puts a stock on the end of a pistol, that's the same deal. You're talking about like the Thompson Contender where it had multiple, uh, had a stock and everything else. See, that's part of this configuration. Yeah. See, that's part of this configuration issue. Um, Thompson Contender, Thompson Center used to put, to, uh, used to have a, and they probably still do, had a kit that had a Thompson Contender pistol, and then it had a longer barrel, and then it had a shoulder stock, right? I mean, it was like a three-piece kit. And it was a right. single shot deal. You could have the stock on or right. have the stock off. Right? Well, but here's the thing. If you used that pistol and just put the shoulder stock on it, you were breaking the law because then it became a short-barreled rifle. In fact, you would have to assemble it right. to be within the law. To assemble it, what you had to do was you had to put the long barrel on first, then put the shoulder stock on. Because otherwise you were violating the law kind of thing. And there was a big court case over that as well, uh, you know, that they were providing components to create a short-barreled rifle, blah, 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 blah. It's all semantics, really. It doesn't, I mean, it matters in the letter of the law because if, if you do that, you could get caught and become a felon. But in practical terms, it, it was nonsense. I mean, why did it matter if you put the barrel on first or the shoulder stock on first or whatever? Um, but yeah, th- this has been a problem, and it's something, quite honestly, that needs to be dealt with. I believe, personally, that short-barreled rifles and short-barreled shotguns need to be taken off the NFA list. 
because it makes no, there's no appreciative difference between them. They were worried, they being the ATF and the and the Department of Justice and everything. Oh, their their argument is, well, they're much more concealable. If you've got a 20-inch rifle instead of a 26-inch rifle, it's much more concealable. So you can carry it under your coat. And I'm like, the majority of things that go on have is handguns. Why are you worried about short-barreled rifles? Uh, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. But this is going to be the new fight. Uh, and I guarantee you that Bruin is going to face into that decision. Now, remember, with the bump stocks, the bump stocks had a uh, they also that that rule was overturned by federal courts. So you're already going to see this. Uh, David, thank you for your call. I'm sorry I'm late. Holy cow. I just looked up and realized I'm late. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more right after this. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. And this is what happens when I get into a topic that I'm super interested in is that I just totally blew past my time. Uh, I'm hoping that folks in Homer are not listening to us right now and on the peninsula. If you are... I apologize for screwing up your commercial break. My bad. I apologize. I apologize to Dave and everybody down there at the station. I just was so into it. I looked up and realized, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. All right. We got one more line on hold. So we're going to go talk to them real quick during the break to get their name and where they're calling from so that we can, uh, uh, so that we can be ready for when we return to the radio. Good morning. Who's this? And where are you calling from? Rusty from Fairbanks. Hello, Rusty. Uh, would you hold the line here, please? And we'll be right back to you. You will be first up in the queue when we get back. Don't go anywhere. All right. Let me go catch up in the chat room, uh, which uh, if folks are listening down in Homer, feel free to jump into the chat room because we're always talking about things during the breaks and stuff like that. Let's uh, let's go over here and, and talk about it. Okay. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, from a medical standpoint, says Gordon, uh, talking about high powered rifles, it's velocity. And again, I'm, I, there's so many, so many different variables and choices there. Uh, many people of course say 50 caliber. Yes. I would say that 50 caliber is definitely classified as a high power rifle. That's a lot of that is a lot of kinetic stuff going on in there. Um, but again, my argument would be basically anything that is 30 caliber, it is at least 30 caliber with a case length of at least 45 millimeters and up, right? So, I, I mean, I would argue that the AK-47 is right on the verge of being high power, but more because it's such a short case, 39 millimeters, you know? Um, uh, but you know, 30 out six, 308, 300 wind mag, 300 blackout, three, you know, 338 Lapua. Uh, I would say that all of those are high powered rounds, you know, high power, high velocity, long range says Rick, uh, Hawk says 4570. Yeah. Uh, 4570 is definitely a high power round. Um, Browning, a Browning high power would be the. No, that's not how that works. Um, doesn't mass also factor into the power? That's how, how I'm classifying it. I'm classifying it as more 30 caliber and up. 
I, I would think it would be a combination of the projectile and the amount of powder, the amount of propellant behind it. So you get a, a AK round, which is 762 by 39, which is a 30 caliber round versus a 308 round, which is 762 by 51, right? So 39 to 51, it's a 12 millimeter difference of the case size. I think a 308 is high power. I think the 762 by 39 is probably right on the verge of high power, but not quite there yet. Personally, again, there's really no technical definition of what is a high powered. Again, it's more, it's more, it's more word salad, right? It's mass shootings. It's assault rifle. It's high powered rifle. I mean, technically, all rifles are lethal. Even your little 22 squirrel gun could be lethal. Although I don't think anybody who's in the gun world would ever call a 22 long rifle a high powered rifle. I think high power would be a combination of the size of the round, the power of the propellant, and the velocity of the bullet. I would think that all those things, you know, I, I, I don't know. But again, I think more, that's, I think that's more phraseology. I think that's more of a vocabulary thing. That's what they want it. They want to try and make it like this AR 15 is the most explosive high power rifle ever built. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's one of the lightest, it's one of the lightest guns that the military has ever used. It's one of the lightest weight cartridges that the military has ever used uh, for rifles, for main battle rifles, right? I mean, you're talking about the, you know, uh, 30 caliber cartridges in the lever actions or 4570s in the lever actions for the U.S. Army when the West was won. You know, you're talking about Enfields and Springfields and Garands that were all using higher cal, you know, higher caliber cartridges, all using big 30 caliber cartridges. And the M14, right? That was the 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 the, the M14 shot the 308 cartridge. And then you get down to the fact that was one of the arguments against the AR-15 is that it wasn't a heavy enough hitter. The argument was a balance of having enough, you know, having more ammo and having it, you know, being a heavy enough hitter. I mean, that's anyway, it's there you go. That's <sighs> what qualifies as high power. All right. We're going to jump back into it here. We're 13 seconds out. The Michael Duke show. There we go. Jumping back into it. Ready to go. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share. Let's get to it. Here we go. All right, continuing now with Firearms Friday. Again, apologies for running late this morning. Oof. Let's go over to the phones. Uh, we got more some more phone calls. This time it's Rusty up in Fairbanks. We'll see what Rusty has to say this morning uh, right now. Good morning, Rusty. What's on your mind, sir? So when we study firearms in the medical field, we look at velocity. The reason why is because the velocity, the increase in velocity 
causes cavitation in the human body, breaking more blood vessels and organs. Right. It's the it's the it's the aerodynamics and the and the and the overpressure in the vacuum as the bullet travels through. It it causes that cavitation, right? Right. So in our field, the AR-15, the two-two-three, because of its velocity, causes enough cavitation to create a lot more damage than, say, a 12-gauge slug. So it, a, a low-power 12-gauge slug or birdshot thing. Right, because a 12-gauge slug may have more mass, but it doesn't have the speed to create the uh, to create the aerodynamic wake that a that a smaller high-speed bullet would. Correct. I've saved people from a 12-gauge slug and from that kind of. Well, that's an and that's interesting. Like when you're coming, when you're talking to a two-two-three, it damages a ton of organs. Right, because of the speed of it. Now, I mean, when you look at that, though, that pretty, that pretty much would mean that anything thirty caliber and above. I mean, from the seven-six-two by thirty-nine up to the three hundred eight and beyond, those are also all traveling very quickly and have enough. I mean, they they also would cause that same cavitation, right? Correct. Yes, sir. Anything that goes beyond the uh, the the sound wave to a certain extent, you're you're causing enough velocity that's getting down there that's creating a huge cavitation wave. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing that probably wouldn't in this list that we've been talking about would be the 22 long rifle. That although it is traveling faster than the speed of sound, it doesn't necessarily have enough mass to create as big a wake. You'd be surprised. I mean, it still does, but not to the same extent, right? Though, I mean, you wouldn't consider, would you consider a 22 long rifle to be a high powered rifle in that case, in a medical term? It's got enough velocity to create a small cavitation wave. The problem with the 22 is it's light enough to bounce off bone and continue to go through the body again and again and again. Yeah, well, and the fragmenting, like you said, because it's so lightweight, it uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's so it's hard to define or lay it. I mean, in that case, medically, then pretty much any rifle is a high-powered rifle, whether it's a two two twenty two, two seventy, two sixty, two fifty eight. I mean, anything up and above, all of those essentially have enough powder and velocity behind them to create that problem. What we're looking at is not necessarily whether they're high-powered or not. It's whether what kind of damage am I considering when I'm treating this patient. Right. But in the term of what, and I think what the caller was trying to get to was this idea that somehow they're calling. Hello? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, David. You know, one of the things, Rusty, that, they're, that I think that they're trying to get to is that the caller was talking about was that the media and the talking heads seem to keep going back to the AR to say, it's the highest power, you know, it, it's the in, it's the uh, intimation saying, oh, this is a high-powered rifle. Not compared to your dad's hunting rifle. They're trying to make it spookier and scarier, right? It seems like. That seems to be the inclination there. Correct. Because based on your definition, every rifle is essentially a high-powered rifle. If it goes beyond the speed of sound, it's a high-powered rifle because it creates that, it creates that aerodynamic wake and that cavitation. So it really almost becomes a meaningless phrase at that point. But it sounds good in a soundbite, right? Right. Yeah. 
Well, interesting, interesting point from a medical standpoint, Rusty. I appreciate you bringing that up to us. Thank you for calling in this morning and uh, and joining us. I really appreciate it. Have a good day. Uh, we got time for one more call if we are super quick. I cannot miss the top of the hour here. We're coming up on it. We're less than a minute. Oh, nope. They all decided to leave at the same time, so that's fine. All right, we are up against the break then. So we're going to – I'm not going to miss this one. As interested as I am in this, I am not going to miss it. And Rusty, again, makes a fine point. Any rifle can really can kill you. Any rifle can have that point. When you say high-powered rifle to a gun person, it means something completely different than when you say high-powered rifle to a medical person. Right? And the average Joe who knows nothing about guns just laps it up no matter what they say. So, interesting discussion. We're going to continue this, plus Willie Waffle at the end of the next hour of The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Man, I am going to be in so much trouble. I went almost a full two minutes beyond my time for the last, I mean, I'm in big trouble. Uh, all right, let's go. We got, um, oh, we got a line on hold. They, somebody jumped in there. Let's get the, uh, let's get the, let's get the name here of the caller and where they're calling from. And we'll get that all set up for the next, uh, next break. How about that? Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Michael. It's uh, Fred in Rhode Island. How you been? Hey, Fred. Would you uh, hold the line, my friend? We'll be right back to you, okay? Okay. All right. Fred is in Rhode Island hanging out there. Let's go back over here. Um, Firearms Friday coming to you from your high-powered, high-velocity bloviation station. Oh, I like that. Oh, I, I like that. I might have to use that before. You don't need a twenty. You don't need a rifle to fire twenty-two rimfire, says Chris. Well, that's true. You don't need a rifle to fire many of those cartridges. There are many pistols that shoot those. I mean, I've shot a forty-five seventy pistol. That's not fun, by the way. That's not fun. Um, high power, seventeen caliber, lots of power, lots of power in a small caliber. Uh, high point uh, seventeen. Yeah, um, or a py- uh, or a high-powered hammer could put some cavitation on a person's head. I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of one of those useless, bogus kind of descriptions. Uh, I mean, yes, there is a high-powered rifle competition at Camp Perry every year. Um, I don't know what do they still call it—the high-power competition, or do they call it the precision competition. I mean, I think you know maybe we're getting down into the weeds on something that really doesn't matter because. Are they just using it as a descriptor of why guns are bad? Is that, I mean, is that what it's all about? Are they just using it as as that? So, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting question. It is an interesting question because it is as vague and amorphous a phrase as assault rifle. I mean, if you've got an old army lever action 3030 and you shoot people with it, that's an assault rifle, right? Or is it? 
when they say assault rifle? That's the that's the question. I think that this is, again, more about capturing the words and the vocabulary than it is about anything else. I think this is about capturing the words and the vocabulary. I don't think it has anything to do with any basis in actual metrics or statistics or facts or you know calibers, powers, anything else. They want to say that AR-15 is a high-powered rifle. Well, uh, you know, until you shoot an AR-10 and then you're like, damn, that's a really high-powered rifle, right? Or you shoot an M14 or you shoot a, uh, you know, you shoot. You do, you shoot a, a four sixty Weatherby or a three seventy five H and H or you know I mean you just reel off all these you know modern day until you really then you're like wow so what is hype it doesn't really matter again it 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 is something that is meant to capture to capture the imagination of the public. Mass shooting, assault rifle, high-powered rifle. I mean, you never see anybody talk about a low-powered rifle, right? So that's, that's, it's pretty much all about, again, changing the definitions, capturing the language and the vocabulary, and using it to deceive the public to to control the narrative to deceive the public and try and craft policy using it to scare people and to, and generate fear to be able to craft policy that you want um changing word definitions and meanings and making truth subjective to end around the end goal yeah to get around the end goal. I mean, that's, I think that's it pretty much right there. Pretty much that is the answer that you were all looking for right there. But thank you, Charles, for bringing it up because again, I'd never really considered it. I mean, in my mind, high powered is, like I said, one thing, but to other people, to Rusty, who's in the medical profession, it means kind of anything that has that enough velocity to create the massive injury. Okay. It is. I mean, you're right. I mean, I still wouldn't want to be shot by a 12-gauge rifle slug, would you? 12-gauge slug? Even though it's traveling a lot slower, <laughs> I still wouldn't want to be shot by one of those. Um, all right. Uh, so we got Fred's phone call. We haven't even gotten into the... Uh, I got so many stories today that I wanted to talk about, but I'm enjoying the conversation. I mean, that's a was a very interesting question. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, all right. What else? Hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? I mean, let's, you know, what are you guys hanging out? What are you doing? What should we do? I don't know. Well, Willie did not like what Rusty had to say. <laughs> Willie, apparently a fan of the cursey words. Um, I don't know what, uh, I don't know, I, you know, I don't think Rusty was full of it. I think Rusty made a very valid point from a medical perspective. Shot placement is paramount. Don't forget rocket-propelled grenades and nukes. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say rocket-propelled grenades and nukes are both high-powered. I mean, I think that's a given. I think we were talking about something totally different. All right, here we go. Jumping back into it, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Dinshaw. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Hands my rifle, hands my gun. This is for fighting, this is for fun. Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off on issues of a 2A nature right here on the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, FM translator, and of course, live around the world on MichaelDukeShow.com, where probably Fred is uh, listening to us right now. We're going straight to the phones. It's Q&A all day today, and Fred from Rhode Island is tuning in probably on the audio-only live stream at MichaelDukeShow.com. Let's check in with Fred to see what is on his mind today for this beautiful Firearms Friday. Good morning, Fred, out in Rhode Island. How are things going out there? Hi, Mike. Uh, yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah, one of the, I remember years ago, I read either in Guns and Ammo or Shooting Times or one of those magazines. There was a definition, according to the Camp Perry people, I guess, as a, what a high-powered rifle is you know i think it has to do with a combination of caliber bullet weight or one some combination there of those two well muzzle velocity and energy i think that you know and it is a cutoff point where anything below that you know it's, you know, it wouldn't be considered a high uh, high high powered right. anything above that is so and right what you know what what exactly that is i forget the details but i remember there was an article on it. right well and i think what we've decided fred is it really uh, and what the what Charles was asking about in Fairbanks was us basically assigning the uh, moniker of high power to an AR-15. Really, we kind of came to the conclusion in the chat room that that really this is more about capturing the language again. It's about using scary words to yeah. you know. It's like using assault rifle or mass shootings or oh, high powered yeah. rifle. Yeah. It's all about the definition of what it is. And if it's hard to define, and or it's an amorphous definition then it becomes that much more scary. And really what it's about, it's about controlling people's emotion and crafting the narrative. Well, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, they use, well, they use any trick in the book, any lie, cheat, steal tactic they can come up with in order to push their narrative, which is take, you know, 
kill the Second Amendment and take everybody's guns away. I mean, that, that's the end goal. I don't care what they say. They're not coming after your guns today. You know, you know, yeah. But, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Oh, we're not coming after your guns. Don't be ridiculous. And then the next thing you know, well, we have this registration that you have to do or you're going to be uh, or look at this whole pistol brace thing. Oh, this has been legal for 10 years, but now it's illegal. And if you don't do it, we're coming for you and we're going to put you in prison. I mean, that's the we're not coming for your guns, but don't worry about that. You know, it's that kind of thing. Uh, all right. Looks like we lost Fred there, uh, on the call. He dropped off the call. So thank you, Fred, for uh, calling in this morning. If you had another point you'd like to make, feel free to call back. We lost your call. Let's go over here. We'll continue on. I've got some other stories, including more on that pistol brace discussion, but let's go to the phones first. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? G-Man calling from Fairbank. Good morning, sir. What's on your mind? I think a high-powered rifle is any centerfire, but that's not why I called. So there's a uh, – you have three options with this uh, uh, rifle that has a brace. You can take it off. That makes it legal because it's legal. Or you can register it. Or you can get a tax stamp. Now, the tax stamps for the next 99 days are free. Right. So if you right. go to if you go to Century and you and you buy one from the store, you don't buy one from an individual uh, that doesn't have an FFL license. Uh, when this all comes down, uh, if it's a Ruger, uh, the feds are going to go to Ruger and say, "Okay, you made uh, eighty six thousand of these rifles. Where did they go?" Uh, 20 went to Century Hardware in Fairbanks, Alaska, so they call Century and say, okay, we need to know who bought the 20 rifle. So then uh, they can come and knock on your door and say, okay, we know you bought one, and you need to show it to us. So I, I don't know if that will ever happen. Hopefully it will be repealed. Um, but for the next 99 days, you can get a free tax stamp. You don't have to pay the 200 bucks. Right. Uh, but the problem is to, the G man. If you want to keep the, it's it's. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's truly not three options. There's really only two. One, you pay the tax or get it for free, but that also requires registration. You have to register it, and part of the registration process is getting that stamp. Now you are right; they're offering it for free until May 31st or whatever it is, the date that you're getting it done. The second is that you have to remove it and destroy it. Because if you don't just remove it and don't destroy it, you now have something that is capable of making one of your firearms a short-barreled rifle. And that, too, arguably can be punishable because you they could say you have the intent of making one. So you can't just take it off and throw it on the shelf. Because that'd be like taking an automatic sear out of an M, you know, out of an AR or a, uh, you know, something like that, and throwing it on the shelf and saying, well, but you have the ability and the intent; it is readily modifiable to a short-barreled rifle. So you have to either take it off and destroy it, or you have to register it, which includes that tax stamp. Right, you're right about that. Um. So the 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 uh the boss over there at Century, I can't remember his name at at 
at Frontier. Mike or Kurt? I'm sure he'll know when they call him. Um, because it's already registered if you buy it new. Sure. I mean, they have the um, 4473. Now, that's not to say that you didn't have it and then sell it anytime. I mean, they've been making this pistol brace. Uh, they've been making these pistol brace uh, pistols for 10 years. So that's not saying that you bought one five years ago and you still have it. You may have sold it. But then again, they may be looking at you going, well, did you really sell it or did you lose it in a boating accident kind of thing, right? I mean, they may be, it's a, like I said, it's a nasty thing. It is, it is unfathomable to me that they would have an item that has been legal for so many years and has multiple determination letters from the ATF, which is a letter that a manufacturer must get to show that it is a lawful legal part. They they make a prototype, they send it into the ATF, and they say, we need a determination letter that this is a legal product. You've got multiple determination letters from multiple businesses and, and manufacturers that it's legal, and then they turn everything on their head one day and say, oh, by the way, we changed our minds, it's not legal. The courts are going to have a field day with this. Yeah, I mean, and then the next thing is high capacity magazines, and you know nobody's going to throw their magazines away. And then the next thing is going to be uh, anything that is capable of reloading itself by pulling the trigger. And then, you know, it's on and on and on. Uh, I don't know where guy's going to draw the line. I don't know where you draw the line. Or, and then there's going to be ammunition uh, quantities. Right. Um, you know, it's it's all coming down. It's incrementalism. You're 100 percent right. Um, I mean, when they start looking at standard capacity, and again, there's a capturing of the language right there, G-Man. They're not high capacity magazines. They're standard capacity magazines. 30 round magazines have come with AR-15s for decades. You know, 14, 13, 15 round magazines have come with pistols for decades. Those are not high capacity mags. Those are standard. When you say high capacity mags, to me, like for my Glock, my Glock normally carries 13 rounds. I have a 28 round mag for my Glock. Why? Because I have a carbine kit and I wanted a carbine kit. So I got some high, I got some true high capacity mags. They stick way out beneath it. That's a high capacity mag. What you're talking about again is how they've captured the language to say, oh, it's a high capacity magazine. No, it's a standard capacity. I'm not talking about the hundred round beta mags. A 30 round mag for an AR-15 is a standard capacity mag. But what they've started to do again is change the language. These are high capacity. No. Their standard capacity. You are arbitrarily deciding what is high capacity. Did Did you hear something about uh, the big major credit card companies um, uh, reporting uh, purchases from gun stores about uh, high capacity magazines. Did, did you hear anything about that about six months ago? Uh, yeah, we covered that here on the program and it wasn't a high capacity magazines or anything else. It is basically a different, uh, in the coding system, the government, uh, de decided or the regulatory body that oversees credit cards said that they had to code purchases from gun stores differently than they did from other locations. And it didn't matter what you bought. You could have gone into a sporting goods store that had guns and everything else. And if you checked out at the, you know, at the counter there uh, and you bought 
propane cylinders for your gas stove and a new and a new camp chair uh, and some 22 ammunition, it all shows up as the same thing. Uh, it doesn't classify it. It doesn't sh- doesn't differentiate between firearms or firearms pieces or regular sporting goods, but it does classify the purchases from the gun store differently or the sporting goods store that has guns. It does classify them differently. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that did happen about six months ago. So that, that went through and nobody challenged it. Well, it was challenged by several states. And in fact, some states have stopped doing businesses with certain, uh, finance companies and things like that because of that. Um, but in the long run, I don't know how useful it's going to be from them. Because like I said, if you go into a box store or to a sporting goods store that sells guns and you buy other, you bought a fishing rod, uh, then it's going to be classified the same as if you went in and bought a handgun. It's just going to show up that you bought it there. I don't think it's going to necessarily make a difference in that regard, but it is one more step in the line of control. That's for sure. Uh, G-Man, I appreciate you calling in. Thank you well, so much. I got I got two more calls here that I got to get to. Thank you for calling in. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Mike, it's Fred again. I guess we got dropped off. Yeah. You're having a lot of problems with your technology lately. I remember last week when I, last week when I called in, I couldn't get through at all. You know, the prompt came up. And it just went dead after that the whole week. So the oh, whole day. Well, I apologize. Well, anyway, yeah, you're. I, you're... Why I call back. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. The reason why I call back is, uh, you know, the Diane Feinstein and uh, McCarthy, you know, they came up with this thing. Uh, you know, after Clinton passed the bill, then they decided to fill in the blanks as what is an assault weapon. And then you had bayonet log, the flash suppressor, the pistol grip, collapsible stock, and all the other nonsense. And the heat shield, you know, that goes up when you goes up in your shoulder. Right, the barrel shroud, right. <laughs> Under Carol and McCarthy's definition. So they really don't know what the heck, they really don't know what the hell they're talking about. They have no idea what the hell they're talking about, but they're willing to fill in the blanks with nonsense to to you know to fill their narrative to make it look like it's actually some type of legitimate reason, but there's no legitimacy at all to any of it. Right. No, I mean that's the thing. I mean this is and this is the problem with Congress in some ways advocating their responsibilities. Uh, when they pass a law and a framework and they allow a regulatory agency like the ATF to fill in all the blanks, or you get somebody who knows nothing about firearms uh, or or the subject matter to create laws and regulations that really make no difference. There's, no, there's nothing, uh, an AR-15 with those features is no more or less deadly than an AR-15 without those features. We pointed that out year after year after year. It doesn't matter. Yep. Well, you know, you know, the day a collapsible stock makes a weapon more deadly, <laughs> you know, I, I, I really got to, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, having a bayonet log you know, makes makes the mind. makes the weapon more deadly. Having a barrel shroud makes the weapon more deadly. It doesn't it has nothing to do with anything. It has nothing to do with anything. It is all about I know. whittling down and narrowing the available firearms until basically nothing is left. And they were outraged, by the way. Congress is outraged that companies said, okay, well, we'll just make guns without all those features. And they were like, well, you're just trying to skirt the law. No, we're trying to follow the law. It's not skirting the law to make a to make a, a product that falls within the legal definition. That's not skirting the law. That's following the law. But again, again, remember, this is about semantics. This is about the language, and this is about what they can put into a soundbite. 
Well, yeah, they, well, they, they're twisting the language all the way around, not only with firearms, but cancel culture and all the rest of it. You know, I mean, just, it's, we're just, I don't know, you know, they, they really got to, I'd say, you got to dig your heels in and put up a lot of resistance to push us back. And, yeah. You know, it's unfortunate that the, you know, some organization like the NRA has, no longer has the clout it used to have because it, when they did have it, you know, they had a good thing going. Now it's, you know, it's broken down over a number of organizations. I hope that just as effective as the NRA was back in the heyday. Yeah, well, you hope so. You hope that it's going to be. Fred, thank you so much for calling back. I appreciate it, and I apologize. Yeah, your call just dropped right off. I don't know what happened, but I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you calling in. Thank you very much. Folks, we have got to go. We've got to go. We are up against it, and we're going to uh, continue here in just a moment. we got a couple lines on hold. We're going to talk to them during the break, and we'll get their number, their name, and their. we'll get all the info. And we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, in the break right now, let's go back over to the phones and get the caller's name and where they're calling from. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? What's your name? Good morning, Michael. This is Ron in North Pole. Hello. And not being uh, a constitutional expert, but it seems to me Well, well, Ron, that Ron, there is Ron. some language in the Constitution itself. Ron, uh, hold, about on, ex post- hold, hold on. Hold on. I, I just I muted you, Ron. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You always have good good pearls of wisdom. So I'm going to ask you to hold on the line and you can drop that pearl for us on the other side because I like to have those conversations on the other side. Uh, the other caller dropped off, so it's just Ron. Ron, you're going to be first up on hold. Let me go back over here and uh, and let's see what you guys uh, see what you guys have to say. The number one problem with gun definition is the people defining it. Politicians. Yeah, that's that's. That is 100% truth. 100% truth. The media molds the minds of the uneducated. The media also molds the minds of the educated. That's the, you know, that that is that is the truth. The Camp Perry people would include both 556 and 762 as high powered, but the language is between the two di- the two diameters. Again, I think it's a, you know, that's the thing. Um, sorry, my rifle fell in the river where I was fishing. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, it's so crazy that gun owners are such terrible boat drivers. That is true. They are always in a, in a trouble. Um, uh, some ways Congress has abrogated its oversight on a wholesale basis. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I was just saying specifically for the example of the assault weapons ban, they did put a bunch of definitions in. Uh, But for many other things and for most other things, they totally just abandoned their responsibilities as far as creating, uh, you know, new uh, uh, new uh, uh, 
ideas or definitions or the reg- they just turn it over to these regulatory agencies who have almost no oversight uh, by the public and no public input on the process. It's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Uh, okay, um, we are. Oh, we're doing good here. We got we got we got time. We got things to do. Would you folks do me a favor? Um, and I know I'm I ask this every now and then, but I'm gonna ask it. I'm gonna ask it today. I'm gonna ask it today. Where is my uh, uh right here? Um would you do me a favor if you have not gone over onto Facebook and I are onto YouTube? And I know. I know many of you have already done this, and for those of you who have, I, I appreciate it. I, I thank you so much, and I apologize you have to sit through this, this sales pitch, this begging session. But if you have not gone over yet, and if you have not um, subscribed on YouTube, would you do so right now? I'm just dropping the link right now in the chat rooms, all of them, all at the same time. Just go over there, and if you hit the subscribe button... Then the subscribe button turns into a bell, and you just ring the bell to all notifications, and you will get notifications every time we go live. Every time we go live, you'll get the notifications, and uh, I would uh, love for you to be part of that. I would love to, for you to help us out. We're at 420 subscribers. <laughs> 420. We're at 420 subscribers right now. We need to get to 1,000. So if you haven't, uh, if you haven't uh, subscribed yet, might I ask you to do so? You don't have to stay there. You can come. People are like, I like the Facebook interface much better. Okay, great, great. Uh, but maybe you like the YouTube. Kyle's on YouTube. I saw Zora was on YouTube. Uh, Mikhail has been on YouTube. Uh, a lot of other folks have uh, have commented on YouTube uh, this morning as well. So feel free to head on over there and uh, just subscribe and ring the bell. That will go a long way to helping us hit that thousand subscriber goal that we need to get to. And we're off. You ready to do this? Ron is in North Pole. He's going to be our guest up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free ticket radio. Like and share, like and share. Here we go. What the hell is an assault weapon? What isn't? If I assault you with a penguin, doesn't that make it an assault weapon? Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider the Michael Dukes show assault radio? <laughs> okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. That's right. Assault penguins and everything else. If I hit you with a baguette, what does that mean? What does that mean? We're going to continue here, the Michael Duke Show. Uh, Ron is over in North Pole, and I just rudely put him back on hold because he started to make his point. But I enjoy Ron's comments, and so I thought I would share them with all of you. And so we'll do that right now. Ron in North Pole. Good morning, my friend. Sorry about that. I wanted to uh, hold your thoughts. You said you were not a constitutionalist, but... Well, but... It seems to me that this abrogation of uh, legislative duty uh, to the agencies uh, allows the agencies to do unconstitutional ex post facto laws. 
Oh, I think that is the that is the main point that I've been trying to make for many years. I mean, Congress is the one with the responsibility for crafting laws Oops. down to. I'm sorry, Ron. Uh, I'm I'm still with you, Ron. Uh, you, I think you're 100 percent right. Congress is oh. the one with the responsibility to craft laws right down to the into the minutiae, right? I mean, right into the details of it. And instead, uh, over the last 30 or 40 years. They have almost completely abandoned that. They create some kind of vague framework, and then they turn everything over to the agency involved with that, whether it's the Food and Drug Administration or the EPA or the ATF or whatever organizations involved. And then the bureaucrats there craft rules, quote unquote, rules which have the force of law with no public input, almost no, virtually no, no oversight. Or anything else. I mean, it's like this bump stock ban and the arm brace ban. Both of these, they have they. It was a directive from on high. The Trump was the one that that banned bump stocks. Biden is the one that's banned the uh, arm braces, and they just arbitrarily said, "Oh, we know we've said they've been legal for years, but now we're saying no." And that's why the courts, in the case of the bump stock ban, said, "This is you. You don't have the authority to do that." Well, I would also point out, in uh, as much as you have Willie coming up at the end of your show today, uh, this whole thing puts me in mind of a movie. Uh, I think they called it Minority Report. Yeah, <laughs> the Department of Pre-Crime, right? I mean, that's you know, I mean, but that's how can you? Here's the well, thing. That, that's exactly what that's exactly what this is. Yeah, I mean, Ron, how can you trust? How can you trust? How can you trust your government? When you have no idea if the thing that they say is legal today may be illegal tomorrow, right? How can how can anyone have exactly. full faith in their government exactly. when they just arbitrarily decide, nope, that's I know we've been telling you for years that that was legal. Now it's not. And if you don't do what we say, we're going to put you in a cage and make you a felon and ruin your life. And that's actually what the court said in the whole bump stock thing. They're like, no. you can't you can't do that. You can't you can't do this bait and switch with citizens. I mean, first of all, it you know, it it flies against the whole jurisprudence idea that laws should be understandable and that the average person should be able to have confidence in knowing that what they're doing is the right thing. Second of all, you don't really have the constitutional authority to do those things. That was really one of the major parts that came out of that decision that I that I read into and several legal scholars said was that this is a wake-up call for this administrative rulemaking and, and policymaking is that they don't have the constitutional authority to do it. Even if Congress says go and do it, no, they don't have the ability to pass that authority down. It is constitutionally Congress's duty to do those things. Well, and I would also uh, suggest that uh, the old adage about uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Were it not for programs like yours, uh, this whole uh, arm brace thing would be virtually unknown. Well, I mean, it has not been covered by most of the mainstream media. I mean, the firearms community is covering it, but you're right. I mean, there will be a ton of people out there 
who are just casual firearms users who bought an AR-15 pistol with an arm brace that did not get notified, did not have a thing. And they'll get visits from the ATF to be like, and they'll be like, yeah, it's right here. And they're like, oh, well, you know that we're going to put you in jail unless you turn this whole gun over to us. Uh, you know, they're going to use it as a, as a, as a tactic. Yes, exactly so. I will let you get on to other callers, Michael. Thank you for the show. Ron, as always, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for calling in this morning. That leaves, well, that leaves all the lines open. That leaves all the lines open if you want to call in. We've got a few minutes here, but let me get on to this arm brace thing. The Alaska Attorney General, Treg Taylor, has now joined a coalition of 24 other states in a lawsuit against uh, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, ATF that seeks to stop and enjoin a new regulation requiring owners to register the stabilizing braces, also known as pistol braces, to register them as short-barreled rifles. Now, pistol braces, um, commonly used by gun owners across the country, including Alaska, but the Biden administration, with a stroke of a pen, with the issuance of a single word, has now decided that when they are when when those pistols have the brace attached, they are now short-barreled rifles. Again, for ten years, this is Governor Dunleavy now said, this is another example of this administration blatantly attacking the constitutional rights of our citizens. For over ten years, shooter have shooters have used these braces in accordance with the law. They should not now be penalized with an invasion of privacy or criminal actions. Because this president has such disdains for citizens who exercise their rights to bear arms. Pistol braces, for those of you who don't know, were originally designed to assist disabled shooters or shooters without the strength to shoot a AR-style pistol or AK-style pistol with one hand. It allows them to support the pistol with their forearm. The, 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 the stock actually grips over your forearm to hold it steady. The ATF has been approving pistol braces and in multiple configurations from multiple manufacturers as legal since 2013. And now they've decided to overturn that. Um, and that is going to be problematic. As I said before, what you're looking at now is you're seeing that this is going to go, I think, in very much the same way that the um, very much the same way that the bump stock ban went, because it's the same kind of idea. Bump stocks were legal for many years, multiple determination letters saying that they were legal. And then Trump, in his infinite wisdom, said, no, no, no bump stocks. And so they overturned that. That has now been overturned by the courts, and it's probably going to make its way up to the Supremes uh, in the future. But it's exactly the same argument. It is exactly the same. And I think you're going to see the same thing with the brace situation, the pistol brace situation. All right. Well, uh, man, that was a fast, fast show for firearms. We got Willie Waffle coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Uh, 
<laughs> okay. Um, well, we can shut the phones off there. We don't need those for right now. Let's go back over here to the uh, to the discussion. Um, the ATF should be a convenience store, not a government agency. Well, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms sounds like a hell of a convenience store to me. Uh, tangentially related, read that piece on bureaucracy at Free the People. All right, let me get back over there. Free, oops, freethepeople.org. <clears throat> That's some Matt Kibbe stuff over there at Free the People. It's been a while since I had Matt Kibbe on the program. I should reach out to him again and see if we can get him on the program. Um, he does some amazing, amazing work over there. Um, uh, let's see. All we have bureaucracy, Kibbe on Liberty. Uh, there's a whole series there. Latest post, the cost of bureaucratic delusion by Mike Foos. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to put that on, I'm going to put that on my list to read. Or I could just read it to you now, I suppose. Um, what's worse, a ban on bump stocks or a ban on the pistol arm braces? I think they're both they're equally bad. I mean, I think the bump stock is a more of a novelty item. If you made me choose, if you put a gun to my head and made me choose, I would say fine, ban the bump stock because it's a novelty item. The pistol brace has a legitimate use for many, many Americans. Not that I have to justify myself with legitimate use. They're both equally bad. They're both equally bad, uh, Randy. So, but they're, I mean, and they're both, I mean, they're both, that's the thing. What's the worst? You can bump fire with a boot string. You could bump fire with your thumb. All right. I have bump fired with my thumb. Just hook your thumb into your pocket and hold the rifle out in front of you and bump it against, I mean, it's, it's. Bump stocks. I mean, it was a ridiculous thing, but I was still fighting for it because, I mean, I would never buy one, but, you know, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, if a memoir of the United States government could ever be compiled, a significant portion would have to be dedicated to good intentions causing disproportionate unintended harm. The state's growth has been significantly fueled by the government attempting to address real social issues while lacking the proper authority and the capacity to solve them. We can call this phenomenon the bureaucratic delusion. There are very few forces known to man more destructive than gray-suited bureaucrats believing that they must do something and that they are properly equipped to do so. There are staggering and easily observable costs to these government failures. Education quality is continuing to decline despite <clears throat> excuse me, continuing to decline despite spending more per student than any other developed nation. Our bureaucracy has spent over $25 trillion on the war on poverty, but the poverty rate has remained consistent for the last 50 years. The quality of health care has certainly not improved at the rate costs have risen and the innovations within health care most likely incur in spite of government meddling. However, another not so easily observable cost to the bureaucratic delusion exists. There is a social cost that can far have far longer lasting and more impactful consequences for a free society. 
One of the first lessons you learn in Economics 101 is that incentives matter. When the government interferes in areas of socially uh, of society improper, if it's uh, excuse me, if when the government interferes in areas of society improper of its authority and absorbs responsibility rightly belonging to another sphere, it incentivizes a potential change in behavior that can have lasting effects. The more the state intervenes in social affairs, the more the citizenry is incentivized to abdicate personal responsibility and what is traditionally referred to as civic duty. Man, this is like everything we talked about yesterday with the dependency state and the welfare state and the private entities that should be handling the social safety network and everything. I mean, that's everything wrapped up in there. Recently, Senator Josh Hawley wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post advocating for legislation that would set an age requirement of 16 to access social media. He argues that social media is causing loneliness and depression in teens who are in a very formative time in their lives and therefore the state needs to take action. Senator Hawley assures us that such a law is not meant to replace parents but to support them. Most parents, according to the senator, the senator don't want their kids on social media. I mean, this is... Okay, I got to read the rest of this. I'm just giving you the tease. I will post the link in the chat room for this one, but we're coming up on it. We're 30 seconds out. So I will post the link on this right now so you can read it for yourself. Oof, man, some good stuff right there. Uh, here we go. Jumping into it. Uh, get, getting ready. Yikes. Man, that is a good, that's, I'm already, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. We're going to get with it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thing and radio. Like it, share, like it, share. Here we go. Okay, I'm ready for the weekend. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's only a four-day work week for me, but as I said before, four days, that's the new magic number, man. I would take a job all day long where it was a four-day work week because, oh, it's so nice. Uh, speaking of man who has only a four-day work week, like every now and then, Willie Waffle, WaffleMovies.com. Hello, my friend. How are you? That would be the greatest thing that would ever happen to the American worker. Oh, what? A I, four day week. They just you know, did a study on thing. it. They just did a study yeah. on it. 61 companies in the UK tried it out for six months, and over 90% of them said, Yep, we're keeping it. We're not, it's a, it was a test, but we're, we're not going back. Um, it's more productivity, but, less absenteeism, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it's a whole thing. But you know how America is going to screw it up. And I'm going to tell know. you how they're going to screw it yeah. up. They're going to go, well, you know, you're going to have to do your whole 40 hours in those four days. Yeah. And, uh, well, not everybody, not everybody can take off Friday. Oh, you guys are going to have to, you guys are going to have to split it up and somebody's going to have to take Wednesdays off. Oh yeah, my God. No. We're going to, it would just, it would just be such a mess. Well, I guess <laughs> we could screw it up. Mess. We could screw it up. That would be it. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's hit it on the news. What do we got? Start me off fresh here. Where are we at? There's a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll drop the you know, the biggest story first. You know, breaking late yesterday, uh, Warner Brothers desperate for attention, desperate to let everybody know that the company's not going to completely fold and go bankrupt. Right. You know, they're 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 going to roll out some information about their new streaming service in April. But what they really wanted to tease everybody with, they wanted to remind everybody 
that they have a certain movie franchise. <laughs> and yes, they are going to be bringing back more Lord of the Rings movies. Of course they are. Of course they are. Because, yep. But what stories are they going to tell? I mean, that's the thing. Are they going to redo yeah. what's already been done, The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings? Are they going to do Cimmerillion? Are they doing, I mean, what, you know, who knows what they're, and of course, the Amazon Prime thing is getting ripped up by by Tolkien fans like big time. So, I mean, what are they really yep. going to do? It's just, you know, so shocking. Well, and, and they, I think they've made it clear. Peter Jackson is going to be consulted. He's going to, you know, they're going to hear his ideas and his thoughts, but he's not doing these next three. He's done his bit, man. All right. So, you know, I think now that's going to probably sour more people because right. you know, he's the guy who's done the Lord of the Rings movies best, or at least the first three. Right. Hey, the, the last, the other, the other, the other ones were okay, but right. you know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't as good as the first three. And, and I, I agree with you. I mean, they could try to redo them with a new cast, but, but why? God, when has that worked out? Right. Yeah. And, and, and why it's such an epic movie. I mean, it's, it is literally award-winning. It's a classic. Why would you remake a, a masterpiece? You know what I mean? I don't know. I, you know, yep. Hollywood get some new stuff. That's all I'm saying. Get some new stuff. Um, all right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Liam Neeson. I heard this, this is awesome. I heard, this I read this great. story earlier this week and I was like, really? Yep. So Liam Neeson could have been Neeson, Liam Neeson. He could have been Bond, James Bond. Yes, he could have, but his wife got in the way. So <laughs> Liam Neeson admitted, uh, you know, he's out, he's promoting that new Marlowe movie. God love him. It's his hundredth movie. Nobody's going to see this thing. It's going to go straight to streaming as fast right, as possible, right. but he's doing his job. And uh, he was doing an interview with Rolling Stone and he said, yeah, you know, uh, back in the nineties, I, uh, I rejected the chance to play James Bond. See, she, he, he knows the producers, the Bercolis who've been behind all the James Bond movies. And they asked, Hey, would you be interested? Because you know, we're going to need a new James Bond soon. And he said, sure, I'd be totally interested. And then he told his wife, Natasha, or at least his, I think it was his wife to be, I think they were engaged at the time. And he says, Natasha, Natasha Richardson, the actress who many of you may know, he said to her, Hey, I got a chance to play James Bond. And she said, if you do that, I'm canceling the wedding right now. Jeez, she had some strong feelings on that, you know. She really did, and yeah. he joked around. He said, "He said, I think it's because you know she doesn't want to see me, you know, going from country to country and jumping from bed to bed with beautiful women." Yeah. And I think the real reason is she just didn't want him to disappear and be doing James Bond movies all the time. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, and in the '90s, that would have been what Pierce Brosnan era. Pierce yeah, I think he would have. He would have probably been the. Re he, he. I think he would have been competing with Pierce Brosnan. To be honest yeah. with you, when you look at that time period, uh, yeah, that that's that's exactly. Yeah, because Remington Steel ended in. I saw a trivia piece the other day. I think Remington Steel ended in like ninety two or ninety four or something. So. Yep. Well, uh, you know, I'm glad I like Pierce Brosnan. I mean, he was an okay James Bond, but I don't like Liam Neeson, so that's actually worked out well. And he definitely held no candle to Daniel Craig as James Bond. I no, mean, Daniel yeah. Craig. Yeah, it's Daniel Craig and Sean Connery one two. Man. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'd be one two the other way, but it does. I mean, they're just two different okay. styles, right? I mean, they're just they are. You know, you yeah. could not have done a Daniel Craig type movie in the late fifties. You just couldn't have done it. It would, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah. Anyway, too bad for him. Um, 
you know, okay, second. Um, Oscars. I mean, they even hate the Oscars in England. I mean, at this point, right? So the English, there's apparently, I didn't even know this, there's a British Oscars. I had no idea. Yes. Yes, the, the British Academy of Film and Television Arts, uh, you know, actually about one-sixth of the Oscar voters vote in the BAFTAs. That's what they're called, the BAFTAs. And uh, they had their big, big ceremony over the weekend. And, uh, well, they screwed it up just like the Oscars. Yeah. See, they uh, they went to announce the winner of Best Supporting Actress. And uh, what complicated matters, I let's just let's talk about what happened. The uh, last year's winner for Best Supporting Actor, Troy Kutzer, who's deaf, was introducing the nominees via sign language, and he had an interpreter speaking out the names. And the interpreter said, and the winner is Carrie Mulligan for She Said, which is kind of a shock right? because this is a movie that hasn't been doing anything. And then all of a sudden he started going, no, Carrie Condon, Carrie Condon. (laughs) So the interpreter jumped the gun a little bit, saw Carrie and was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. he kind of he kind of screwed up. Or at least, let me put it this way: he's being blamed for the moment. Of okay? course, he is. Yeah, you know, you, you know they're not going to let the the actor take the hit on this yeah. one. No, they're going to blame the interpreter. And uh, and here's what makes it even worse. I mean, this story got out like immediately. I mean, I was getting alerts on my phone like the minute it happened. They rebroadcast the show later in the evening on BBC One. And uh, they kind of edited that whole part out. <laughs> of course they did. I mean, you don't want to see that thing replayed live in Memorex. I mean, come on, man. That Absolutely, just... I do. Absolutely, uh... I do. Because you know what? Everybody already heard the story anyways. Yeah. You might as well let them see it. You might as well just own it. Is it what, Are you going to edit out Will Smith slapping uh, Chris Rock? No, because that's the only thing anybody yeah. wants to see. Exactly. So you know, you're, Although you're they not going to take this they, out. They did edit that out. They added the actual slap well, out. So, I mean... And well, they were trying to do a lot. Like so, like I, I, I remember this vividly because it was, in my mind, one of the greatest moments in Oscar history. I just remember him getting out of his seat and walking up onto the stage, I'm thinking, oh, that's funny. He's going to joke around with Chris Rock about making fun of his wife. And then he smacked him. And I just about dropped. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to censor out the part where Will Smith went back to his seat and was screaming at Chris Rock, get my blank and blank, blank. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And, 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 and the whole world just went, this is not a joke. <laughs> yeah, no joke, no joke, yeah. No. Well, uh, okay. But that's okay, because the Oscars said they're going to have a special crisis team ready to go if anything happens this year. Okay. So, like, if something happens, they'll make their decision, and they'll hustle that person out of the theater, unlike last year where they let Will Smith hang around and get his Oscar. Yeah, okay, I'll whatever again yeah, I, could, I, could, I could care less <laughs> uh let's see how much time we got uh, we got time for one more alec baldwin uh yeah of course we all know rust facing the charges all this kind of stuff some news broke this week that they were dropping a charge that was called the firearm enhancement which was a new law yeah. that had been passed and it would have put him in jail for five years uh they've dropped that give me some details here yeah, so it was dropped because his legal team pointed out it is unconstitutional that at the time of the crime, that law did not exist. It actually was voted in uh, on the heels of this, and, and this this incident that happened during the making of the movie is what kind of propelled uh, some of the, the support for it in October 2021. Uh, so the legal team said that this just isn't right. And so uh, the Santa Fe District Attorney dropped that charge 
uh, drop that also on the armorer, uh, who's also facing involuntary manslaughter charges. And uh, they're, they're going to go on and just kind of focus in on what they have now. But Alec Baldwin also got a couple new conditions on his, uh, on his I don't know what you can even say, it on his charges, I guess, on his conduct leading up to the trial. He is not allowed to possess a firearm. And, and this is the one that gets me, he is not allowed to drink any alcohol. <laughs> that could be tough for Alec Baldwin. I've seen him. How <laughs> are you going to enforce that? No, I'm with you. Because you know, Alec Baldwin, and I, I don't think he would lie, he seems like the kind of guy that likes a nice fancy glass of wine with his dinner. Oh, yeah. And, and I, you know, how are you going to enforce this? He lives in New York. He's right. going to be shooting a movie in Montana. Is the Santa Fe district attorney going to send a cop to do a breathalyzer on him? Well, uh, they may, paparazzi may do the work for him if he goes out anywhere. I mean, that's the point right there. That's you know? going to be the hard part yeah. for him. That's, yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see how that goes. I mean, I guess couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Um, all right. Let's go over. To the, <laughs> let's go over to the movies. Um, I know you want to talk. We've got Jesus Revolution and we've got Cocaine Bear. That's a juxtaposition yeah. of movies like you've never seen. Jesus Revolution oh, and Cocaine yeah. Bear. Uh, where do you want to start real quick? Uh, counter-programming, man. Jesus Revolution. I'll make this one quick. You know, it's actually it's actually kind of a nice story. Uh, it's about these preachers in the, in the 70s. Uh, Kelsey Grammer playing one of them. Uh, Jonathan uh, Rumi playing the other. And, uh, you know, the, the, the church is kind of faltering and failing, and uh, he, they start letting in these, these lost kids, these kids who have had drug problems and family problems and are just seeking, for, seeking some sort of meaning in life. And, uh, you know, they find it in following Jesus. And, uh, you know, we see kind of the typical story. The old-time parishioners don't like all these little hippie kids showing up. Uh, you know, uh, even Kelsey Grammer, he has to kind of remember the teachings of Jesus and letting everybody in and understanding right. everybody. And so we see that kind of developing. We see his relationship with the other pastor. Um, you know, it's all really based on, on a true story. Uh, it, it's all based on a guy who I'm now forgetting his name, who actually wrote a book about this and has 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 uh, spoken at, at many different events. I, I want to say he did something at Trump's inauguration uh, a few years ago. Uh, so ultimately, I think it's a story that makes you feel good. I'm going to go two and a half waffles for Jesus Revolution in theaters. All right, all right. Yep. Which leads us our hedonistic, heathenistic protect. Where now we're into the heathen territory. Also, oh, yeah. also based on a true story. Yeah. <laughs> Cocaine bear. Cocaine bear. All right, I got to hear this. Granted, the, the, the true story is a bunch uh, or a, a, a drug runner plane crashed in, in a, uh, in a, in a, uh, uh what I'm, I'm having trouble saying, a national forest. Uh, I think they, I think it's the same one in the movie, Catahoochee, uh, Georgia. Right. And, um, none, none of the cocaine was found. But a bear with a lot of cocaine around its face was found dead at the scene. Well, they've taken it a step further that the 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 bear who finds the cocaine likes the cocaine and starts going on a rampage and everybody in the park is in danger. And I really have been looking forward to this movie okay. for months okay. and months. And it stinks. Oh. I'm so broken. Hearted. I mean, you, know, you have one of the most gonzo crazy setups you could ever have. It should be just an outrageous, over-the-top, silly, ridiculous, it's-so-bad-it's-good movie. 
but the writing is just not there. The, 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 the directing is not there. This is directed by Elizabeth Banks, the actress. She's actually pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I just think that she has a misstep here. Uh, but, you know, they just they don't really develop that story very well. Right. I mean, come on. They don't even show they don't even show us, you know, seeing the, the bear finding the cocaine. He just starts showing up and he's on a rampage. I mean, it really does feel like they cut lots of key scenes and it made it very disjointed and, and just not very smooth. And then towards the end, oh, don't you know, it's going to get serious and dramatic, and it's going to be all about <laughs> protecting our families and our kids. Blah, uh, don't <laughs> give me that. I want to see a bear go nutso. Yeah, I want to see. I mean, that kind of thing, like you said, it would have to be over-the-top Sharknado style, like everything, yes. you know. That's what you yep. need, and instead you don't get that. Because uh, I I would definitely watch it just for the wow factor of uh, Sharknado style stuff. Um, okay, Cocaine Bear, negative one to four waffles. What do we got? Half a waffle. Half a waffle. Oh my. Okay, not even worth the yowza factor. Uh, Willy Waffle, wafflemovies.com. Thanks you for coming in, my friend. Uh, we will see you next week. Next week, it's all about Creed 3. Creed 3. Um, all right, we're ready for it. Folks, we got to go. Thanks for coming in and joining us. We'll see you on Monday. We're going to talk about uh, Liam um, Kirka, who is a young boy with a heart condition. Also, maybe speaking with Sarah Montalbano. It's going to be a fun week. We'll see you then. Have a good weekend. I'm seriously bummed, man. That movie, just, yeah. it's just, it was like such a, I mean, they could have just done so much with it. And uh, yeah, I can't believe they didn't even show the bear getting into the cocaine. What, they couldn't get a, they couldn't find five pounds of powdered sugar to feed a real bear? I mean, what's, the, right. you know, what's the deal? I mean, you know. You know, and, and part of the joke is that, you know, the, the bear looks really fake, and he should. I mean, it sh it should be ridiculously fake, you know. Like th that's going to be part of the fun. That's going to be part of the goofiness, uh, you know. But it just it just doesn't feel like anything's done right. I mean, you know, uh, aside from like a couple of little offhand, very very funny jokes about people not understanding the seriousness of a, of what's going to happen to them as the bear is getting ready to rampage them. That that's about it. Uh, you know, it just nobody's all that funny. Nobody's all that interesting. Uh, you know, and then it takes a serious turn at the end instead of being comedic. Yeah. yeah, instead of being dark yeah. comedy. I don't. I hate movies that can't find their way as far as what tone are they trying to set. Are you humorous? Are you serious? Are you this? Are you that? And they're just like they're, they're all. I hate all over the place. I'm just like oof, so uneven. Yeah, I mean, somebody just has to sit down with with Banks the, as the director and go, "You're making a movie about a bear that's strung out on cocaine." There's nothing dramatic about that. Yeah, there's nothing dramatic or realistic <laughs> about that. Have fun, you know? Have yeah. fun. Yep. Yep. All right. But, you know, I, I, it was heart. That's heartbreaking, hard. man. Heartbreaking. <laughs> yep. Uh, Blood and Honey, did you see that year? What, when did the uh, no, I have honey? not yet. I'm I'm gonna wait for it to hit the streaming. Uh, you know, it was originally supposed to be like a one night only, like uh, December, or not, pardon me. February 14th for Valentine's Day. And then some theaters actually picked it up for the whole weekend, uh, which was kind of a surprise. Uh, but I am, I'm going to get it on the streaming. It's going to be coming very, very soon. I do want to see it because that should also have 
the same kind of gonzo, it's so bad, it's good feel to it. And I'm hearing that maybe not. <laughs> That's too bad. All right. Well, I know. Um, anything you watching this week before we let you go? Anything you watching that's good? Well, you, you know me, man. Uh, I'm I'm all over Star Trek Picard season three. We're two episodes in. It's blowing my mind. The twists and turns are amazing, and uh, I just I I I'm with you. I can't believe I have to wait every single week to see a new episode. I finished Clarkson's Farm this last week. It was so. Did you? Oh man, I, I we my Terry and I watched. I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday, but we just started watching it. I'm like, let's watch a little bit more of this. Um, seven hours later, uh, we finished the <laughs> entire series in a, that whole season in like a day. Uh, I think we had one episode to watch the next day, but it was just. It was just so enthralling. It was just so great. And to see the David versus Goliath thing of him fighting against the local city council and everything. And it was just like, oh, man, it's just so uh, it was so heartbreaking at times to watch. But it was it was really a good show. Um, And uh, uh, Jeremy Clarkson just does an amazing job. It was a very touching show at the end, too. So good stuff. Oh, wow. Um, And then I finished we finished Ghosts. We finished all of it. Uh, So it's such a great so. So you saw you saw the episode with the wake, and I don't want to give too much. Away, I did see the that, uh, yeah. I think so with the wake for, uh, I think I know which one you're talking about. Uh, yep, yep. You so, know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, it was great. Uh, it's a good show. I enjoy it. I can't wait to watch more of it. Uh, hopefully, season three drops soon. That's it. Well, and don't forget, there is the British version. You could always check that out, too. Uh, shut up. We started that already. I think we're three episodes <laughs> in. It's so different because it's just such a weird... I mean, it's just the British humor is so different than American humor. Yeah, it's it's so good, different. but it's just different. Yeah. But uh, All right, Willie, thank you so much, my friend. I hope you have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, talk to you next week. Folks, be kind. Love one another. Live well. We'll see you on Monday. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show